Hello and welcome to Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your host? I'm Marianne. And I would like to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, today, whatever time it is, wherever you are living in this beautiful world of ours. So sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and discover what awaits us there. I don't think there'd be many people in my listening audience who've not heard of UFOs or perhaps even seen them for themselves, far off lights moving in the night skies or even closer encounters. So I haven't really gotten into them much in these past episodes. What we have heard are Stacey's experience with the Rendlesham Forest, Woodbridge and Bentwater USA Air Force bases that were then active in the UK. We've talked about the mysterious men in black and we've heard Susie's most interesting experiences. So perhaps it's time for me to give a little perspective on UFOs. How about I start with some definitions? UFO, an unidentified flying object. This is the most popular term for an aerial phenomenon that can't be identified immediately. The largest percentage of these can actually be identified when investigated fully, however, not all can. Mostly this term is used for claimed observations of crafts or ships not of human origin, and the name does carry some unfortunate connotations. UAP, Unusual Aerial Phenomenon which is a much more comprehensive term that doesn't carry the emotional baggage that the term UFO does. UAS, Unusual Aerial Sighting. This is the term that is used by the Australian, New Zealand and the UK Defence Forces. In these episodes, I've tried to focus more on the experiences of the witnesses of these craft, myself included, as to me, the UFO that are genuine extraterrestrial ships and not swamp gas, Venus sightings, satellites, the space station or any other excuse that the governments like to trot out and assuming they are not some government top secret military plane, for example, the stealth fighter before it became public are merely the crafts used to transport beings from one place to another, much as we use cars here in this world. So the focus for me is more the inhabitants of these craft. Obviously, they had to have been created and piloted by some intelligent species. So, are you ready to walk into this part of the Shadowlands with me? Then let's begin. Firstly, before I introduce my guest for the next couple of episodes, I want to clarify a few things for those of you who have not had these experiences. You hear the terms abductee and experiencer bandied about, but what actually is the difference? Is there a difference? Generally, the term abductee is used to denote an experience that is against the will of the experiencer. 
Often in these cases, the experience is both terrifying and physically painful, with a person often being subject to medical experimentation of various sorts. These experiences are often not remembered or only partially remembered, and the person who was abducted is very, very fearful of this, and rightly so. Remembering that not all species of star people have our best interests at heart, and some simply don't care what physical or mental trauma they cause the abductees, much like we treat our livestock here on the earth, for the most part. An experiencer, and this is what I class myself as, my guest today is, and my previous guest Susie Hansen is. We are people who go willingly and are actively working with star people in one way or another. However, not all experiences are. Some only ever have a one-off experience with a star person. We are experiences who have ongoing contact and are never abducted. We have an understanding with these beings, an agreement, and generally a great mutual love and respect exists between us all, and we go willingly with them onto their ships or their bases, whether they're in our skies, underground, or under our seas. You will notice that there are many similarities of experiences with those brave enough to share their stories publicly with me. We're not special. We're merely people that have been trained to use our natural abilities, abilities that everyone has to one degree or another. Most of us have work that we do with our star people. This can be anything from ecological work to helping educate people to the existence of life off of this third rock from the sun. Some experiences will only ever see a being one time in their life, but some of us have regular, ongoing and frequently fully conscious contact with star people our entire lives. Some of us only have partial memories of some encounters and full memories of others. Some may not get recollection until many years later. It varies from person to person, but there's a shared commonality of experiences, as you may have noticed over the past episodes and with my guest in this episode. Oh, and by the way, I like to call star people my people. It's just a habit I've gotten into over the years. So when you hear me talking about my people, I'm referring to star people.
This is my guest, who's brave enough and kind enough to share his experiences with star people with us all. David and I met in the MUFON Facebook group, where he posted about his men in black experiences. His post immediately caught my eye as I had literally just finished recording and uploading the Men in Black episode, so I messaged him to see if he'd talk to me about it. This conversation is the result of that message. My guest, David Montgomery. I think it's time for it to be more talked about, people's experiences, um, people's personal experiences. Yeah, yeah, and it seems that we're we're definitely in a, a time and an age where it's becoming much more acceptable. And, you know, just by attrition, there's so many people that have had experiences right. that, you know, you can't keep it all under wraps. And, you know, it, it's people, more people are coming out with their experiences and yeah. there's less ridicule, there's less criticism. And so it's becoming, people are starting to feel more safe in coming forward with with their own experiences now so that's wonderful it's good it is it's and i was saying in an episode i did earlier that people have been really scared to speak out about their experiences because the governments well the powers behind the governments have deliberately created a culture of fear ridicule and intimidation to stop people from speaking out yeah definitely so maybe david we could start I tend to do, I'm not a professional interviewer, I just, I'm just an experiencer like yourself. Absolutely. And so I don't know how professionals do it, but I like to let things flow organically. Awesome. And if they're out of order, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll put them in chronicle, I'll put them in chronological order when I edit them. Okay. But I kind of feel it goes better that way because people are more relaxed and conversations flow how they're meant to flow. Absolutely. And I like, I like going with that flow. That's, you, you know, that's how I work with, with the meditations that I do. I don't like s- sticking to a script because it's so rigid. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, having things open and flowing is, it just, it's, it's so much, everything's so much more available. Yeah. 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 I absolutely agree with that. So perhaps we could start, well, maybe you could introduce yourself to my listeners and give us a bit about your background, your age, where you live. You don't have to say exactly where you live, you know, your country. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so my name is David Montgomery. I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, I've lived here since 1998. Grew up mainly in the Okanagan, the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia. Um, so yeah, um, so from a very early age, um, there was a period where I was very wide open, um, and I can say that now looking back on it, and um, you know, just very tuned in. I was very connected with with uh, my intuition, um, you know, things that what was going to happen next. I knew who was going to call my mom like five minutes before the phone rang and I would play this game where I would, where I lived growing up, I'd sit on the corner and I would try and envision what color of car is going to be coming up the street next. And I spent hours doing that and got really, really good at it. Um, yeah, probably, I mean, there's, there's lots of different experiences and things that I've had through throughout the years. Um, I have had 
a number of, of contacts, if you want to call them contacts. One of them, um, I do remember consciously. Um, the rest are kind of very, very fuzzy and foggy. But this is the one that we spoke about, uh, we chatted about. Um, I was living in uh, central BC and I was going to university. And I was going through a period of, of uh, like there was a lot of acceleration happening. I think maybe it was due to immersing myself in the university. So there was lots of learning. So I was kind of wide open. And in the middle of the night, in this one night, I, I just shot up into a sitting position. Um, it was like no, no eyes opening, waking up. It was like instant. I just bolted. And upon gaining focus, there was six beings standing semicircle around my bed. Uh, and the, so the semicircle, I was on the, the, if I was in the bed looking down, I was on the right side. And so the one that was closest to me was quite close, like about three feet away. Um, they were not beings that I like, would recognize or seen before. They were completely translucent. So if you imagine the color of a candle flame, that, that was from head to toe. They were this color. They were about three and a half to four feet tall, uh, except for their eyes, which were large, uh, black oval. And, and this, this all takes place very quickly. Like this happened within a few seconds. And as soon as I kind of gained my focus and saw them, the one closest to me started to reach out with his arm towards me. And, you know, it's really interesting in these situations because it's, you know, it, there's a different part of the brain that gets activated, you know, the reptilian brain, the, the fight or flight. And I remember I, I didn't even have time to think. My body was just reacting. And I was almost like I was a witness to it. As soon as he started to move towards me, uh, I lightning fast threw the covers off and like swung my right leg out onto onto the carpet. And I, to be honest, I don't know what I was going to do, if I was going to tackle him or if I was going to run or what was going to happen. But as soon as my foot hit the floor, it ends. That's all I remember. That was it. And then I woke up in the morning on the other side of the bed. And it was the first memory that came back. It was like, oh, whoa, what happened last night? Like, and I went through this period of, did I dream that? You know, this, this was way different than a dream. Like this was, this was way too real. Um, yeah. So that was, that was one of, one of the instances that, uh, that I did have a contact. I've had lots of very, very vivid, um, I guess I could call them dreams. Not sure if they're dreams, but they're at that level of being so vivid. You can't tell if it's happening or if it's a dream. You can't, you know, you can't separate the two. But I've had lots of dreams of being taken onto a ship. There's usually a lady that meets me um, at the entrance or near the entrance of these ships. And there's no communication. It's just kind of this nonverbal. Uh, knowing each other and then she walks me through to a specific uh, room or a place in the ship and sometimes um, it's a classroom and like the first time this happened it was literally like a classroom there were desks and it was full of uh, kids 
full of children about, you know, the age that I would have been. And there was one empty desk in the middle and she kind of, I knew it was for me. So I went and sat down in it. And then that was the end of that remembrance. So there's been lots of those kind of instances. I have recollection of that as well, of being in classrooms, Mm -hmm. being in different levels of classrooms and learning situations from the time I was little to I was an adult. And then ultimately, I actually saw myself speaking to groups of people, giving them lectures and informing them. I've I've got no idea what I was informing them about, but yeah, that's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've had uh, um, some of those same those same memories and instances of uh, being in front of uh, groups. Some of them, um, like they're non-human, they're non-terrestrial, um, and 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 all the feeling was almost as if I, I was like giving them an update. It's like, okay, well, this is this is what's happening on Earth right now. Here's the state of Earth. Here's the state of human consciousness. This is what's transpiring, and they were very, very um, curious. You know, they were very enthralled. They were very, um, wanted to participate. They wanted to know, okay, well, you know, what's going on? Um, so, yeah, I've had a, f- a few of those as well. It's down, it's underground somewhere. I remember it's, uh, I go down these rock steps uh, deep. I don't know where it is. And at the bottom, there is this big door and there's always a being standing at the door. And he, let, he kind of nods and then lets me in. And then it's, it's like this huge cathedral. And it's all built underground into the rock. And it's like all of these natural uh, rock seats and, and steps. Yeah, really interesting. My guest, Susie Hansen, the lady I told you about, mm, she yep. remembers the same thing, except she never mentioned stone steps. Stone steps, wonderful. She remembers underground being taken underground and undersea mm-hmm. to bases where she spoke or she was taught or stuff like that. So... Obviously, that's actually very, very common. So I want to validate that for you, David. That's neat. Thank you. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Because very often when we have memories like this, it's sort of like a dream-like thing. So you don't know if it was actually a dream or reality, but it's actually reality. Yeah. But our consciousness translates it into being a dreamlike state, really. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, over the years... um, I mean, there's been enough of them that I've, I've can, I can now tell the difference. Mm. I know when it is that I'm dreaming. Uh, and I know when it is that it's, it's something more than a dream. Right. Um, and even though that our mind, the unconscious may, may come in and color it um, a certain way, there's, there's a different feel. There's a different texture. Totally different. And um, yeah, I've had, yeah, I've had lots of those. So yeah, it, it's over the years, I've kind of learned how to distinguish when I have one. It's like, oh, okay, what was I doing last night? Because that was one of those nights. <laughs> Let's go back to your remembering going down to these underground bases. And you said you saw it. there was a being there who greeted you. Can you describe what that being looked like? Um, the one that I sees it seems to be in androgynous right um tall like it, he's he's like a guard right essentially so um bald uh, if anything more on the masculine side but to be honest it's almost androgynous kind of being right. perhaps bordering more on the masculine um and he's uh 
every time I've seen him, it's it's dark, but he's wearing brown, like a, a two-piece brown robe, like brown. Uh, the it's all one color, but it's broken into like a uh, almost like a big shawl or something, almost like something that uh, Buddhist monks would wear, but right. but earth brown. And then he had um, almost like pants that were of the same color. Yeah. And um, never, never speak. I've never spoken to this being. There just seems to be a, like a, a telepathic or he, he knows. It's like, okay, yes, you, we're waiting for you. You mm-hmm. can pass kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he looks humanoid, I take it? He looks humanoid, yeah. And what color are his eyes? Can you recall? You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to recall. I don't actually know if I've actually seen his eyes. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've actually seen his face. What color skin? What color? Um, ours color. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Caucasian, um, white skin. Yeah. Right, right. Probably tanned, more of a tanned um, right. texture. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay, so the fact that you say androgynous, and that's one of the things I've struggled with. When I started having conscious interaction with a different group of beings as an adult, more conscious interaction in my 30s was that I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around the androgynous beings. Mm -hmm. Like, I could understand male, I can understand female, but I couldn't understand the neither. And they used to laugh at me because it was a struggle for me to understand how they could neither be male nor female. So your androgynous being, I totally get that, yeah. Yeah, and it may not have been, it just you know that that kind of vibe sense came mm-hmm. um, I, I got from it. and I you know I didn't spend a lot of time in, in front of him or near him he would just I was down the steps there he was and he opened the door right um, and he's then I think the three 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 or four times that I remember going down there it's it's always him it's the same mm, it's the same one it's the same being yeah that's interesting so he probably was androgynous, if that's the feeling you got, because there are species that are, that are humanoid-looking. Perhaps. Because the ones that I saw were humanoid-looking. You couldn't tell them apart from the humans, actually, except for their eyes. No, and it kind of, in a sense, it does make sense, because through the door, like I said, there's there seems to be this great big council of beings, and they, they seem to be from all over. Mm-hmm. They're they're not just one race, Correct. so there's there's a lot of different intermixed species and beings there. So yes. it makes sense that perhaps you know he would fit that as as being uh, androgynous, right? And I've spoken with the council many times, mm-hmm. actually, and they called themselves uh, the Council of Elders, is what they yeah, called themselves. But it was a whole group of mixed species beings. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like we've had the same experiences. I'm sure it's it's happening a lot yeah. uh, to a lot of different people and there's different groups involved, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They absolutely are. And one of my contacts said to me, look, Marianne, you think that politics and organization here on this planet is bad. You know, it's just as bad where we are. We have councils and then we have councils that have councils. And so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle all that political stuff. Just give me stuff to do and I'll do it. But, you know, 
<laughs> so you've seen multiple species as well, yeah. not just. Yeah. Um, there. Yeah. Oh, we froze. Oh. You can hear me now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's there's these long semicircle benches carved out of the stone, and they're tiered. And in front of it, there seems to be an, um, a little bit of a raised area carved out of the stone. And there's this man that always seems to meet me there. Same man. And he's dressed in black. Um, I, you know, I couldn't really describe him. He kind of looks like a St. Germain. Like he has dark hair. Um, very, very kind of well-dressed. But it's like he always, I go to him first and there's mm-hmm. a, a bit of an introduction and a thank you for coming. And then I kind of proceed to like start talking. And um, it's almost like I know what the question they're holding in their mind is. So right. I just start explaining and talking and sharing with them in various ways. Um, and it could be anything from um, political happenings on the planet, uh, environmental happenings, um, the state of consciousness, you know, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all seems to be doing around um, how's earth, you know, how, how, how is the awakening and the growth of earth and, and, and what's relevant right now, what's going on. Right. So that seems to be the pressing um, questions and answers that I remember. That's cool that you have that memory. That's really cool. I missed completely the first part of what you're saying when we when our connection froze, but I think that's really interesting because it followed the question I asked you. I've seen many different species. It fro- completely froze. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely froze. I actually have a memory of being in that kind of like semicircle place as well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, but I was seated oh, okay. and they were kind of like around me mm-hmm. asking me questions and giving me information. Yeah, it's definitely all telepathic. Definitely all telepathic. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah, it's pretty it's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually really nice to have that personal validation too. Yeah, like you're not crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. So going back to your experience with them around the bed, I had that also. Only I saw five or six. I can't remember the precise number because I couldn't see. My focus was to my left and not to my right. But I was on the left-hand side of the bed, although looking from the perspective you gave, it would have been the same side. And the one right next to me, I don't remember what the others looked like, of course. There was this huge glow around them. It was just this massive like light glowing. But I, the one I do remember was again about two to two or three feet away from me. He was a reptilian. And it's the first time I've consciously, I've had a lot to do with many different species, but this was the first time I'd seen a reptilian consciously. And he scared me, he scared me, because all I could see was his teeth, and I thought he was going to eat me. I really thought he was going to eat me, (laughs) Uh, because he looked so different. But he was just trying to put me at ease and say, no. The others were saying, no, no, it's okay, Marianne, he's quite safe, he's not going to hurt you. And actually, he was really loving, really kind, very wise. He just looked totally different from anything that I had experienced to that stage and I thought 
And then I and then I kind of don't remember a lot after that. But the next morning, my son, who was five or six at the time, said to me, Mum, I saw a walkie in my room last night. He said, I was supposed to be asleep, but I couldn't sleep. I thought he was reading. But speaking with him since I spoke to Susie, he tells me he wasn't. He just couldn't sleep. And he, suddenly like you and like me, sat bolt upright in his bed with his eyes open. And he said this walkie put his head around the door frame and he smiled and waved at him. And I realised, of course, that was a screen memory and that would have been less frightening for my son to see something like that than the actual yes, being. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And he's 29 now and he still remembers it quite clearly. So that was a validation for me that that experience had actually happened because when I woke up the next morning, I was thinking, oh, it's just, you know, I just dreamed that. It wasn't real. How how could that be real, you know? Yeah. But it really was. And, and, you know, it's funny how your consciousness kicks in with all these reasons why it can't be this. You try and rationalize your experiences away so that you can consciously deal with them. You do, yeah. I mean, it's so outside of the norm and the box of our normal waking consciousness that um, in some respects, it's almost like it has to try to put it together for it to make sense. Correct. You know, for to have some kind of a meaning to it, because I mean, that's ultimately like how our brain works. It doesn't like the unknown. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it'll actually come up, and it's been proven scientifically, our brain will actually come up with lies mm. to fill in the blanks so it actually can go, whew, okay, I know what happened, even though it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you see that all the time. I mean, I've seen that. I've come across a lot of people who've been experiences, not just seeing lights in the sky or crafts. They've been experiences, but they can't consciously accept that. Yeah. Susie, she was saying that her flatmate was a scientist and they had an experience where a light came down over their car and they were transported up into a ship and his conscious mind couldn't accept it because it was way beyond his paradigm of understanding mm -hmm. as a scientist. So ultimately he moved out of the flat because he just couldn't stand being around her because it brought up these questions and she wouldn't let go of it because she needed the validation herself, you know. Yeah. She wanted him to acknowledge what had happened. Sure, yeah. Now, going back to childhood, your abilities, one of the things I've noticed uh, that I realize is that those of us who have been experiences from a very young age and who have had that learning on a ship like you have and I have tend to be, uh, what's the word, um, we tend to have higher psychic abilities than the average person mm -hmm. because we've been taught to use our senses, we've been taught to use our auric field, we... We, well, they communicated with us telepathically, so we have more use of our abilities than probably the average person does. Yeah, I agree. Who hasn't had these experiences. Yeah, and that's why, you know, you were practicing seeing the cars coming along. I used to do that too. I wonder if that actually was like a like a sort of homework thing they gave us, because I remember doing that as well. Interesting. It, it could be. Yeah, it could be. I mean, and, and it, for me, it transcended like all over, like uh, even playing games with my friends, yep. whereby, you know, we would, um, one person would, you know, put their, their head to the wall and everybody would go hide and 
And uh, the goal of the game was to to sneak up on one of the other people and tap them. And then they were the one that had to go find the rest. Um, And I remember it it got to the point where I wouldn't hide anymore. I would just sit down in the middle of my friend's lawn and it didn't matter how quiet one of the, one of the other, my other friends would come up Uh, before he was 20 feet away. I would say, hi, Donnie, I know it's you. And he would stop and go, how do you know that? (laughs) It, It could just, I just thought it was, it was just a normal, you know, it's a normal thing. I just, I know you're there. I know it's you. I know it's you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's what you're used to. You're used to using those senses. You've been taught to use those senses on the ships. Yes, yeah. And it certainly gives us, it makes things easier for us in some ways and harder for us in some ways living here. You know, yeah, that that last sentence. Because um, I can tell you, um, this this that was kind of my life up until eight, uh, grade three. Can you please tell me what age that is for our New Zealand listeners? Sorry. Oh, seven. I say seven. Ah, okay. So in grade three, uh, I was, uh, according to their standards, was struggling in school, um, and I remember. Every once in a while, this lady would come in and take me from the class and have me do all these exercises. And I didn't really understand what it was. Uh, And then by the end of the year, my parents and myself had a meeting with the principal where they said, uh, David, we think we're going to have you repeat grade three. Um, And the reason was, is they felt strongly that I had dyslexia and it was impeding my ability to learn their curriculum. Right. and I was devastated, of course. It was like all my friends are moving on and I got to do this again. Mm. And, you know, that, that, was, that was really a pivotal point for me because it was, it, it was a, a time where um, it's like I had a, a foot in both worlds. And I had to withdraw one of my feet from, from this intuitive, natural place because it was impeding my life. Right. It felt like I got to turn this off because this, this isn't working. Right. It's, not, it's not working for me. Uh, it's, you know, it's costing me too much. And there was a period where I just, um, kind of willed myself. I just turned it off, mm-hmm. uh, and just, you know, I, I became a muggle like everybody else and, and tried to ignore it, even though it was still there. I just kind of pushed it aside. Right. And, um, it wasn't until my twenties when, when I, in the late teens, twenties, when I decided, okay, it's, I need to start bringing this on again. Right. It's time to, you know, get get back in touch with this part of myself. Right. And I think that most of us do that. Most of us who are experiencers go through a similar sort of thing, mm-hmm. where we realise that, look, because it's really hard. I. I call my podcast Walking the Shadowlands because I see us as having one foot in this reality and one foot in that reality. Absolutely, yeah. And it's very hard to walk like that. It's very hard. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes we, you know, we have a foot in many realms. Yeah. You know, simultaneously, you know, we're, we're bordering a lot of different different frequencies and, and channels simultaneously. And yeah. It, you know, it, it really can take a lot of integration and practice to be comfortable with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely it can. So it's not surprising that you shut that side down. And very often, actually, when we're going through our teens, our experiences, we don't remember a lot of our experiences in our teens. And I believe that's because they tend to close that down for us, close our memories down for us at that stage of our experiences because we have enough to deal with on the human level, dealing with the rushes of hormones and everything that goes along with being a teen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Let alone dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So probably you don't have a lot of memories in your teen years of experiences, I would say. You know, yeah, as you were saying that, I just kind of started scanning and, you know, it's true. I mean, I can, I can, I can recall, but for the most part, it's kind of like just this fuzz, Mm -hmm. you know, it's fuzzy. It's, it's just kind of a generalization Mm. Um, and it, it really takes a lot of concentration to recall something specific. Right. And even then there's probably tons that I just have forgotten. Right. So yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I know for me, it wasn't until I hit my 30s that I really started having more memories awaken. For me, I have, you know, like all my life, I've had some conscious memories. All my life, from the time I was little, I've consciously spoken about my experiences with star people and seen ships and stuff like that. I've never not hidden this aspect of myself which actually has been quite detrimental to me at some stages, but it's my truth, and I'm always going to speak my truth. Absolutely. Regardless. What caught my attention about your post in MUFON, in the MUFON group, was that you had the men in black experiences. Yes. And I had literally just finished um, voicing an episode on the men in black and uploaded it waiting to be played this season. So your post caught my attention. Can you tell me a little bit about those experiences and how they came about? You know, the backstory. That's where we'll end this part of our conversation today. David's been very brave speaking publicly about his experiences. It's not easy to do this, especially when you know that you're opening yourself up to possible ridicule, scorn, and in some cases, outright hostility from people who don't believe or who are fearful of this for whatever reason. Today he's talked about some of his experiences that he remembers, about going underground and speaking with groups of diverse species of star people. He talked about the androgynous being whose facial features he never saw and who met him at the door to the chamber where he spoke with these beings. He talked about beings around his bed at home. I found it so interesting that he and I both had the same experiences with a different perspective as one would expect from individuals, and some of what David said triggered further recollections for me. If this episode's brought up any memories and issues for you, then you can always contact Susie's UFO Experiences support team at www.communicatorlink.com or if you want to talk to me about your experiences or memories, you can email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or through the podcast website contact page, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. 
Just be kind to yourself and know it's okay to remember and you most definitely are not alone in your experiences. musical score today is called Private Reflection by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons. For more information, check out this episode's page on the podcast website at www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if you have any questions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with me privately or with my audience then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com. If you're a member of Anchor at anchor.fm, then you can leave me a voice message via their platform, which I could include in an upcoming episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts or on your chosen podcasting platform. Who knows? You may hear your review read it at the end of one of these podcasts. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and available from iHeartRadio as well. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show, encourage them to listen and to subscribe also, the more the merrier. Please consider supporting this show on Patreon.com. You can check out the link on our website, check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Tonight, today... Wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours, we'll see you this time next week. Thanks for listening. 